1: Bad people, welcome. Anyone who want to learn more about creating the right strategy, growth strategy, welcome, because today we are going to learn more about personalization, about creating strategies that will provide results. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mike Lovridge. How are you?
0: Doing well, thanks. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great. We chatted a little bit before the podcast because of Friday. Uh, So, yeah, it's like special uh, feeling on this day. Okay, Mike, before we start, just tell more about yourself, background, experience. If someone doesn't know you, any insights about uh, your experience with growth strategy?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a conversion optimization specialist. Started off doing marketing research for the movie studios in Hollywood uh, did, a, did a presidential campaign, the analytics for that, did pricing for Intel for their computer chips for a few years and then got into this conversion optimization stuff. And, you know, as far as growth strategy goes, there's driving traffic and then there's converting traffic. And my specialty is converting that traffic. So i um, been doing that at Fortune 500 companies uh, for the last few years and um, it's been a good ride.
1: Nice, nice. You know, um, once I had uh, an expert on my podcast and he told me uh, he lost 400,000 traffic a month, a lot, but he didn't lose any sales. So he had huge traffic that didn't convert. Uh, Can you tell how to create the strategy? Because it takes time to create awesome content to earn this traffic, you know, with organic reach, you need to pay for content creation, editing, link building, many other tips. But if you can't sell, this traffic is useless. Any insights about creating the right strategy?
0: Yeah, there are a couple different components I'd like to address. I think the most important is narrative flow and how to do that on the web, which we'll talk about in a minute, kind of save that for last. But a couple of the other elements, I think, as far as getting that started is, you know, I, I like to go out and do benchmarking to figure out what the competitors are doing and then what best of web companies are doing and then set up your initial, um, you know, user uh, user touch points um, aligned with those best practices. Do your best job and then collect some data, um, especially heat map data is especially helpful to see what people are doing on the site, where they're clicking, where they're uh you know, where they're, where they're moving around, how far down the page they're getting, et cetera. And then once you have that benchmark set, then it's a lot easier to figure out where to go next. So that would be the first component. And then if you have any questions there, we'll stop, and then we'll get to narrative flow in a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, all companies learn competitors. Uh, even if they uh, customer-oriented, like Jeff Bezos, because Jeff Bezos once uh, told that many companies uh, think more about competition than about customers, but uh, it's reality. We need to compete with others. So uh, we can't ignore customers. We can't ignore comp- competition. But can you tell about uh, competitors? I found another trap. For example, when someone learn competitors, they check out their successful strategy. But sometimes competitors can can highlight their strong sides. For example, if they are good with, uh, I don't know, like blog posts, uh, but if you have the right experience, it's hard to overcome them. If they're good on YouTube, okay, uh, but if you have no experience filming these videos, it's hard to overcome them. So tell how to learn competition to, uh, in order to find their gaps, in order to find their weak side and highlight your strong side and unique selling proposition.
0: Yeah, I mean, a good way is just talking to customers and seeing what they've experienced. um, Maybe even going and signing up for your competitor's product and going through that process yourself will help you to learn what's going on. So that's a good way to do it as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm interested about uh, conversion. Uh, For example, if I open Apple.com, I see simple content. Nothing special, uh, not a lot of words, like a few words make a difference. I don't remember all these words, but uh, just uh, two, three uh, words, that's it, you know. But uh, I like this content, very simple, uh, consumable. And I found uh, many companies submit a lot more uh, on landing page or home page, uh, trying to sell almost everything. It uh, can hurt customer experience because customers don't know what to buy, what to click, what to do next. So, any insights how to create the right uh, landing page? We can't copy Apple because uh, Apple well-known brand, uh, and uh, but uh, we can't uh, make our customers' life harder. So. Can you tell how to find this balance between writing a lot, writing less, and creating conversion? Uh, I mean, like uh, creating a landing page that will convert.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And that gets us right to this narrative flow aspect. Because really, it all comes down to um, starting out with, if you were talking to a customer face-to-face, what would that look like? And you know, with most companies, they will have their sales team out working with the customers, and some of the sales people will rise to the top and others won't do as well. So they'll take the ones that are doing well, and then they'll talk to them, find out what they're doing, and then they'll put together a script. And that script is what everyone will use in the company, and they refine that over time and it gets really good. So really, you should put together uh, a script and how you would handle it if you talk to somebody face to face, and that gets the right order that people need to hear things in order to make a purchase decision. And then you need to figure out how to put that on the web. And that's the tricky part because things we know about the web are number one, most people are on mobile devices now or getting there, not necessarily in all industries, but most um, industries, the, uh, the majority of traffic is now on mobile. So you have to design for a mobile device. We know that when people come to a page, the first impression is of utmost importance it only takes 50 milliseconds for someone to make for their brain to register on whether they're impressed by you or they're not impressed by you. And 50, a, a 50 milliseconds is only just a fraction of a second, right? So your design, your brand, everything needs to look really good. They'll make that initial impression of whether they're, you know, impressed or not. And then this is the key. Then you have about eight seconds for someone to be able to scan your page and decide if they're going to stay or they're going to bounce. So you need to put stuff down on a web page that is very scannable, very easy to read, and that's difficult when you're taking a full-length script and you're putting it on the web. So one of the keys is, you know, you're thinking about a mobile device and what's there. People need to know within the first, just first couple seconds, they need to know what you do, why you do it better, and what they're supposed to do about it. And then everything else down the page should be scannable, titles with content underneath, et cetera. And it should all be supporting that main message that's above the fold. But it's the what you do, why you do it better than anyone else, and what they're supposed to do to it or the call to action.
1: Nice. valuable. Yeah, you remind me of a book uh, from <laughs> uh, just Sugarman. No, he wrote this book like 40 years ago, but the foundation is the same. Uh, simple, skimmable, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, you don't need to complicate lives, uh, life is uh, hard, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you, know, <laughs> you need to simplify you know, as much as possible. So, okay, uh, <laughs> let's talk about how to learn customers how to collect data, because today I think the era of lazy marketers is that, you know, we can't use just the average data from tools, so it takes time to learn customers, to highlight your unique selling proposition, Uh, any tips how to do it in the right way?
0: Oh, man, there's so many different data sources, and it kind of depends on, you know, one, how much traffic you're getting to your site, where you're at in the development process, So the ideal thing is to have a complete list of all the tools sets, the analytics tool sets that are available to you and then put together a plan based on that. So you have to think about qualitative and quantitative aspects. Um, things like usertesting.com where you can send a page to people and get some quick feedback from their, their pool is amazing. You can get you know stuff back very quickly. Um, heat maps are invaluable. You can get stuff very quickly from heat maps and there are a lot of very um, inexpensive heat map solutions out there. Um, setting up, you know, your basic clickstream analytics, um, Google analytics, um, Adobe, you know, any of those are good. Um, and then gathering data through pop surveys, setting up something like survey monkey or, um, Qualtrics or something on your site that just pops a a survey to get capture just very brief, um, questions to your, to your audience is good. Um, you can do things for just data collection on your site. Like, um, the q a question and answers on the bottom of the page is another good way to set up your analytics i.e if you're not sure about something put it in a QA. have about you know five or ten q a's at the bottom and then see what people click on what they're interested in what you're not answering sufficiently on the page and then sw- switch up those q a's all the time to help help you learn about the page so those are just a few of the things but there's um uh there's a tool that does like ai based um um ipath tracking i think it's called um Try to think of the name. Um, I'll think of it in a minute. But you know, put together your list of options, and then and then go out there and tackle it from all sorts of angles.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a, interesting. Okay, uh, you know, once uh, I spoke with a specialist with data, and uh, he told me, you know, uh, it's a big mistake to get. Uh, more data than we need you know so uh, I mean like oh. to uh, over collect data because uh, if you have a lot of data it might confuse more so can you tell how to find the balance between that okay uh, uh, that's good <laughs> to learn more about customers but uh, once I read uh, an interview with Jeff Bezos and um, say, well, not just I don't remember exactly but someone uh, told a story about Jeff Bezos when um, He uh, he got uh, data about a new product um, and research team told him we need to analyze more, to spend more time. And he replied, no way guys, nobody knows what actually will work. It's a new product, we need to test, we need to analyze, we have enough data, stop over learning. And uh, can you tell how to find the balance between (laughs) over learning, over collecting data and the right data? (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, the first thing you could ask yourself is, one, am I running a a pharmaceutical company or not? Is my data, if I get it wrong, are people going to die? And the answer to 99.9% of the people is no, you're running a marketing organization, so you don't need to have the the rigor of a pharmaceutical company doing clinical trials, right? And so I think about uh, it's better to move fast than to wait around in most cases on the data. and I was, I'm thinking about a conversation I had recently with an executive at, um, at, a, at a big company, and um, I won't mention who they are, but they have um, a lot of different product managers over different parts of the business and a test and learn culture. And one of the things that he mentioned was very interesting. He said, we have one product manager that is very conservative and goes very slow and is very exacting with the data, and the other product managers Tend to go a lot faster, and he said, "The one that is very slow and very conservative never performs as well as the others." I thought that was very telling. So I don't know how to find that balance, but um, you know, it, it really depends on the business. But personally, I think it's better to go really fast. You got to ask yourself, "Do we really need this? You know, this this particular data? Do we already know the answer?" And um, you know, one way to do that is. Does it align with UX best practice or not? You know, if it does, then sometimes you can just roll those things out. And you don't need to test them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry for this noise. Now mm-hmm. oh, someone decided to fix <laughs> something here. <laughs> I don't know what. Okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, uh, for example, when we collect data, we have data. Uh, can you tell how to uh, convert this data to? suitable format to a team because you know I found uh, um, according to a few studies by the way that uh, uh, companies usually implement 40% of new tips ideas so 60% of them are ignored probably because of a lot of data uh, because of other priorities or just simply have no time so can you tell how to convert this data to a suitable format that will help marketers, salespeople to use this data in the right way and to create the right content or sell products?
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, that's, that's always the tough part. First, it's tough to get analysts that can look at data and pull learnings out of the data, right? That's one tough thing. And then it's it's even tougher to find someone that can take the learnings from different sources and then translate that into a strategy. Uh, one of the good ways to do that is looking at the data, capturing the learnings, just putting it in a spreadsheet or somewhere and collecting those real time, all the time, maybe having a place where other people can put their learnings from the data as well. And then every so often, maybe once a quarter, going back and looking at all those data sources and then sorting them into categories. So say, oh, here's some data that we're finding out that we found out about the form on our site. Here's some da- Here's some data about the header, Here's some data about the footer. Here's some data on, you know, our social proof, et cetera, put them into sections and then go through and analyze and decide, you know, which one is which ones are the biggest levers that uh, that you should work on that have the best ideas and then go through a prioritization process. And uh, just yeah. take, take the top one first, but you need to have some sort of prioritization process and you need to have some sort of process for capturing those ideas and keeping them so that you don't forget them.
1: Uh, You know, I I like that you mentioned this uh, word, priority, (laughs) Uh, you know, because um, once I watched interview with Bill Gates um, and he told, for example, if he has two products, A and B, after investing X amount of money to product A and X amount to product B, if product B, let's imagine, uh, sells two times more, the next time he won't invest anything to product A, And all money, he will invest to product B, you know, uh, 2x budget. Uh, And, uh, but, you know, what I see, when companies are trying to cover a lot with limited resources, for example, to get many channels, SEO, paid marketing, social media, name them, so many channels, can tell how to choose priorities, even, you know, even if they use just one channel, let's imagine uh, paid marketing, but, you know, when they have a lot of products, in store, uh, it's not good idea to try to sell all these products. It's better to choose priorities. Can you tell more about priorities? How to choose the right one?
0: No, in that in that concept. So as far as like choosing products to sell or whatever, I think it's just a. Um, it comes down to a, um, just ROI. Which ones are going to net you the, the best ROI? So your finance guy can put together an analysis there. When you're talking about channels to utilize, I think it comes down to. Which channels are um, top of funnel, which ones are medium funnel, which ones are lower funnel, and recognizing the difference between those? And I think a mistake that sometimes folks uh, you know make this mistake a lot is they'll put a lot of money into paid channels that are easily trackable, uh, Facebook, Facebook ads, um, Google Ad Google, and so forth. But then they'll they won't do as much with their branding so putting money into making TikTok videos and stuff like that things that are that are upper funnel and you need to have something in all the buckets so that your whole funnel is getting taken care of so those those priorities shouldn't um shouldn't just be roi based because a lot of times um, you don't it's it's hard to measure roi top of funnel did that answer your question that question could have gone a lot of different ways. And I don't know if I <laughs> yeah. did that the right way, but... <laughs> it's
1: it's a broad question. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it depends, yeah. Uh, we, we can consider many factors, but, yeah, you reply to this question.
0: It's okay. a broad question, uh, then you, you throw Bill Gates in, and uh, whatever answer <laughs> I'm going to give is competing with Bill Gates, so uh, <laughs> I should have um, just passed on that one. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think Bill, Bill is good with something that he does, and he against these broad questions as well so <laughs> you need to reply to them okay uh, okay uh, let's talk about uh, retaining customers because you know uh, mm. today retaining customers cost five times less than acquiring new ones so uh, and if you have customers uh, you can even to sell existing customers uh, two times more no double your sales with existing customers because they know your brand They have some loyalty. So any insights how to retain customers
0: longer? Yeah, that's so different um, all across the board. But retention really starts from first contact, you know. So, like, if people are coming to your website right off the bat and it doesn't look very good, then that's going to cause a retention issue down the line. If someone calls your call center and they have to be on hold or they don't get good service, then that causes a retention issue. So you know it's every step of the funnel you need to think about retention as well as having those programs you know down downstream that uh, you know that, that that help to do that so it's retention is an issue that happens from first contact um, all the way through and maybe you know people forget that
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, yeah you know for example in my company we usually uh to retain customers uh... We usually provide them more than promise. For example, if I promise to do SEO, but uh, when we see they have struggles to create content, so why not? If we have resources, we usually do it. And uh, the second way, what we usually do, we communicate more often than just uh, one time a month when we need payments. (laughs) So we usually uh, can uh, ask what's going on uh, a few times a week. Many different methods you can use to retain customers longer to make them happy, uh, and if you customers get this attention, yeah, you can increase results. Uh, I'm interested. To can, I, can I
0: add one? Can I add one more thing to that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so sure. there were a, a few years ago. I was at a company called T Sheets, and they sold time tracking software for small medium businesses, and uh, they were they were really good at retention. And one of the things they did one time that I just thought was, I mean, it was it was amazing, and it wasn't something that was. Planned out in advance. It was just who they are. But there was a, a hurricane or something down in Texas, um, and they went through and found all the customers down in that area. And then everybody in the company wrote letters to them, personal letters. And then we sent those out there. And then followed up with phone calls, asking them if there was anything else they, anything that they needed, um, if there was anything we could do, sending them you know, sending them money or sending them whatever. And it, it had nothing to do with the business. It just had to do with, with human contact and just caring and reaching out. And they did stuff like that all the time. And it was amazing.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, I opened your LinkedIn profile and what I found. You know, uh, oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that you <laughs> uh, help to get 50% increase in sign-up for, for conversion. So, can you tell how you did it? No, uh, because, you know, um, uh, for example, uh, if I have landing pages and I have some customers who struggle even to get uh, good conversion with their landing pages. So, they spend some time to change, to test, many different things. But, uh, you know, when I see 50%, it's a lot. So, any insights, tips, how to do it, best practices, of course, it depends. But uh, any best practices you'll be interested
0: yeah, I mean, one thing is the form was set up for so that it was better for desktop users and mobile. So the first step was changing it to be optimized for mobile. The second thing was going through and doing a study of all, there's some pretty good articles out there on form best practices for mobile devices. So researching there, going through every single, every single aspect and comparing that with the current form. So right there, we just made a bunch of changes to the form. Um, another thing is... Um, I think the form that we had was six steps and it was just too long. And, you know, forms should be something that are, you you reduce friction. Somebody's already raised their hand and said, I want this. So it should be as easy as possible. And, you know, I think about um, what they're doing at Whole Foods right now, Amazon experimenting with where, you know, you've got got just a, a card or an app on your phone or something. And you just go to the store and you pick out what you want you put it in the basket and then you walk out of the store and it scans everything as you walk out of the store and it debits your account. Like you don't even have to stand in a line. You know, if we can make experiences that are that frictionless, like why not? People have already raised their hand and said, I want to buy and anything that makes it difficult, you got to get rid of that relentlessly.
1: Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I remember, yeah, I got the same question about a form. Uh, please check out what you think. And I found like plus 20 uh forms, fields, a lot. And uh, hmm. I, I replied, you know, the best way if you want to get more signups, you need to leave just one, you know, email. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can ask all these questions on email. Uh, if you get yeah. email. Yeah, you can simplify your customers' lives because uh, uh, if you uh, catch them, you know, yeah, you can ask anything in phone call, in email, uh, but uh, many people are busy and they have no time to fill all these forms. uh, I personally hate it, you know, anyone uh, doesn't like it. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I agree completely with that. Okay, Mike, what about common mistakes? You shared some best practices about common mistakes, what uh, companies still do, uh, and uh, if you can list them, you'll be great, and uh, how to find a much better way.
0: Common mistakes in just anything? Uh, like, like we're just going super in broad here? Pages. Or... In, in oh, landing, landing pages. pages. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the common mistakes is um, utilizing navigation. On the page incorrectly, mm-hmm. you know. First off, when you're on a mobile device, navigation takes a lot of space, and that, you know, that first that first uh, first page is critical import because a lot of people drop after the first page. So anything you've got in a navigation bar is going to take up real estate, and a lot of people they just they don't know what to put in a navigation, so they just put a bunch of stuff up there. But within landing pages, um, it's either better to leave off the navigation or you have a navigation that outlines the funnel. And a lot of times the funnel is about us, products, pricing, contact us. And that's, that's all you need. And really, you know, most people they're, they're, they're going to go and click on pricing anyway. That's the main thing that needs to be up there, but outline the funnel in the, in the mm-hmm. navigation. So that's one thing. Yeah. Another is not having a solid value prop on the landing page. We talked earlier about how quick you need to grab somebody's attention and you need to have the what, the why, and how you do it better. And one of the common mistakes is you go to someone's page and it'll just have some statement that really doesn't. I mean, it's cute, it's clever, it rhymes, whatever, but it doesn't really tell you what they do or why they do it better. It doesn't give you any information that will help you with a purchase decision. So that's Mm -hmm. another common mistake. Mm
1: -hmm. You mentioned about funnel. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Twelve years ago. I set up Google ads alone without any special skills. I, I had uh, an online shop and uh, what I did, I set up Google ads uh, and uh, that worked well because I paid five ten cent per click. Today I need to pay five ten dollars, you know, a hundred times more <laughs> and I can't do it without creating a buying persona, without sales funnel. Can you tell? How to do it? How to create a buying persona and the right sales funnel uh, for your contemporary?
0: Uh, that's not really an area of expertise of mine. So I'm going to pass mm-hmm. on that question.
1: Ah, OK. No worries about that. <laughs> OK. <laughs> OK. Let's. Uh, I'm interested. You know, I have some uh, students in my network. Uh, who are looking for ways to be uh, an expert in one day, you know, uh, to learn more about uh, content rate optimization, about uh, growth strategy. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, just completely from, from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about uh, growth strategy?
0: To learn more about growth strategy, um, mm-hmm. do an online search and read some articles, do some online trading, and... Um, uh, cxl.com conversion institute they've got some good you know online conversion training that you can take which should be good um, you know getting a job getting an internship where you get some some boots on the ground experience etc but um, you know luckily we, we live in the day and age where you can find a lot of good stuff just online
1: mm-hmm. and what kind of tools to learn I mean like Google Analytics uh, any uh, any others uh...
0: um, you know there are so many directions you can take it because this is such a complicated issue um, find what aspect is the most interesting to you whether it's storytelling mm-hmm. whether it's copywriting whether it's emails you know whatever any any of those aspects and start with that focus on that become a specialist in one area first that's what's going to you know get you a job or get you moving the, the quickest and then you can pick out those other areas as you go along but there's so many areas that i'm um, just find what's the most interesting to you and start there
1: uh you know mike you need to open uh on linkedin job section and uh <laughs> analyze what companies are looking for <laughs> they're looking jack of all <laughs> trades <laughs> who can do yeah. anything you know for example i, I check out <laughs> a, a few requirements we, uh, we need specialists who can create websites create content uh, market content sell <laughs> content you know a lot even you know just SEO, in SEO, for example, in my company, I have specialists who can create strategy, who can provide technical optimization, link building, even link building, I can divide to many different sections. I completely agree with that. It's better to focus or be jack of all the you know. <laughs> so without any results. And, uh, okay, uh, can you tell, uh, uh, by the way, you can, send this website with courses. Uh, I'll submit to a podcast episode uh, on on private chat. And um, uh, I'm interested about the future. Can you predict the future? Because many things are coming, uh, metaverse, meta-reality, I don't know, we we will see. But uh, where companies need to pay attention today to uh, win in the future?
0: Yeah, I think being as active on social is is important Mm -hmm. as anything right now. Because social is just kind of cutting edge, it's going to lead into the metaverse. Um, social um, being involved in there, you're kind of indirectly getting, in, well, actually directly, you're getting involved with AI and, and the algorithms that those platforms are using to start understanding that. But learning how to capture people's interest very quickly on social platforms, even though they're not might not be as big of a return just off of organic social. Um, it's you know. It's, it's something that just needs to be done. So putting putting the time and effort there is going to set you up the best, I think, for the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, great. Okay, Mike, the final question. Final. About AI.
0: Oh, uh, AI, okay.
1: Yeah, I can't avoid this question. Sorry, because, you know, it's a hot topic. I still get a lot of questions about AI. I personally uh, use AI because um, it can help to save my time and I love my time, I need my time. You know? For example, you can lose money, you can lose properties uh, and get it back. But if you lose time, you can't get back. Yeah, you just <laughs> waste this time. Okay, any uh, thoughts about ChatGPT or any other AI tools today, how to implement them in your uh, strategy?
0: Um, I think when they're available, dabbling with them, And starting to learn how they work, doing testing there is, um, you know, obviously extremely important because I don't know how long it's going to be before that stuff is completely mainstream, but my guess is that it will happen very quickly within the next year or two, that it's, um, there's more stuff happening behind the scenes than most people know. And so wherever that's available, use it, try it you know, put it to work and experiment with it? Because, um, you know, we all know it's the future, but I think it's it's happening a lot quicker than people know. And because you say you use it a lot, you can probably attest to that. What's, what are your thoughts there?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's not only future, it's present. <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. was simple to ignore. Uh, hard today and impossible tomorrow. Now, yeah, uh, and I test them. Uh, and uh, what I can see, uh, AI is not a golden button. Uh, I don't know if yeah. it will be or yeah. not. Uh, it's not golden button, but it's a uh, time saver. So if you need time, uh, you can uh, do many things with AI to analyze, uh, generate text, and uh, edit them manually. Uh, at extra insights, because AI can't uh, create the complete product, but if you just spend a little bit time by editing, you can get much faster, all these results and save time. Even more, you know, it's interesting, Uh, we use a lot of AI to translate text, I compare Uh, For example, Mm. we translated text from English to Ukrainian and Russian because uh, I speak these languages, I can understand the results. And what I found, I compared results on Google Translation and ChatGPT. And ChatGPT translates much better. I don't know why, but uh, because uh, if I know correctly, uh, Google Translate uses uh, AI as well, but on ChatGPT, I can get... The exact meaning it's not only about translation words. and uh, for example today we uh, save so much money in our company with translations we don't need to hire translators we just uh, feed all this content to charge GPT and get results so m- many things you can do with ai just think how you can adapt and uh, yeah edit manually to get insights results and yeah today AI is important. Mike, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you.
0: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. Mike, uh, Mike Loveridge on LinkedIn, and um, that'd be the best way to do it.
1: Okay, guys, you can find the link to Mike Loverish uh, in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. I love all your insights. So valuable. Guys, you need to follow Mike on LinkedIn because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you.
0: Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.